I say kind of came back. That's an extraordinary thing to say because I was actually sitting in the same seat that I am sitting in now and attending the wedding joyously, but perhaps a little less joyously than I might have um, on Zoom. It was my first Zoom wedding. I mean, a wedding I wanted to go to, but which everybody told me I shouldn't. So I didn't, uh, contrary to my uh, general personality flaws. So here I am. It's right after the wedding. And we're going to learn a little bit about, uh, we'll learn a little bit about Parashat uh, Vaera. But could you put, uh, well, I just wanted to, to mention, uh, it's at the top of the that this year is Ilui Nishmat Golda Bat Yitzchak Yehuda Halevi Alava Shalom, Uri Ilui Nishmat Yehuda Leib, Ben Menachem Levi Zichrono Livracha. The year has, in their honor, has been dedicated anonymously. So we thank uh, the donor and wish the the departed an aliyah. Okay, now we're back to. Uh, okay, here we are. Now, when we think about Moshe Rabbeinu, when we, I mean, we are, we are allowed to think about Moshe Rabbeinu, but the thinking about Moshe Rabbeinu is so loaded with uh, superlatives and, and extraordinary moments and ideas that are not really comprehensible, like Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Torah into the world, Torah Shebechtav and Torah Shebaalpeh, I mean, isn't that? I mean, it's it's something you could say, but it's very difficult to think about. So, what qualities are necessary to do such a thing, to to produce such a result, to be in such esteem? And even though he wasn't, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't one of the Avot, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and then. Maybe we could add on some more, but the, the three avot are canon, canonized. Those are the avot, and uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was really not one of them. Nevertheless, he did something that they were not able to do, or they were not called upon to do, even though they they intuited the avot intuited uh, the Torah, what the Torah demanded of us, and that's perhaps what made them avot. But Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, he, he didn't do that. He received the Torah written down, but the great thing that he achieved, besides the fact that he was able to receive the Torah, which is something that it's hard to imagine, but the great thing that Moshe Rabbeinu achieved was that he, was, he taught us that you could pass on the Torah from generation to generation. I mean, that, that's not self-evident obvious, something that's necessarily true. But uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu did it. And so in order to do a thing like that, you had to think about doing it. You had to think about what it takes to do it. Like how did, how did uh, Moshe Rabbeinu think about himself? What did he say to himself? 
that enabled him to do this remarkable this remarkable thing. I mean, we don't see it perhaps as being quite so remarkable as it was because, after all, um, we've been doing it for so many generations in one way or the other. We've been passing the Torah down. We learn the Torah, we teach the Torah to our children, either personally or hiring somebody to do it on our behalf. But but we do it, so we, we do it so so many generations that I suppose it makes us think that what Moshe Rabbeinu did was kind of natural, something easily done. But if you think about it, think about the idea that there is a Torah in the world that was came to us from heaven. I mean, it's quite a remarkable notion and that we could pass the notion and the content down to the next generation. Now, that's really uh, a pretty, pretty remarkable, I would say, uh, pretty remarkable. So let's look at some of the psukim and some of the mevoshim and see what they have to say about the creation of Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, we know that Moshe Rabbeinu, before the creation of Moshe Rabbeinu, was a special kind of person. He was a person who grew up uh, uh, drinking the milk of his tradition, of the Jewish tradition, such as it was the tradition of Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. He had a, 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 a moral sense, a, a sense of ethical values that was natural to him, but not apparently to other people in the world. He had to deal with injustice, and he did deal with it without being commanded by God to do this or to do that. He was forced to run away because he it became known that he had these ideals and he went to Midian and in Midian, he, he, he never lost who he was, who he came with, who he came into the, into the uh, picture with. He was always a person who recognized, even though he lived in the palace of the king of Egypt, he always recognized that he was the bearer of a tradition. So you see that somehow, at the very beginning, even before Moshe Rabbeinu had been designated, designated publicly to carry out the mission of getting the Jewish people first to become the Jewish people and then to leave Mitzrayim in order to get the Torah. It was, it was, a, it was clearly, without a doubt, a two-step process. A two-step process that had to be led by a very remarkable person. And Moshe Rabbeinu, even before he became, that's what I meant to, to kind of clarify, that Moshe Rabbeinu, before he was Moshe Rabbeinu, before he was leading the Jews to receive the Torah, right? Before he said, come, let's get the Torah. Before that, he was already somebody special somebody to look up to, somebody who was able to be uh, a child of, of the tradition of his biological parents and was also able to kind of 
involve himself but not lose himself in the tradition of the people that he found himself in the egyptian people and in fact you know that you know that uh, they built a golden calf you know we talk about this at another at another shayur but they built a golden calf that's bad it's a bad thing to do and moshe rabbeinu is blamed for the golden calf in the words of Chazal. How so? How did they blame Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu was up on a mountain getting the Torah and the people were downstairs singing and dancing and serving this odd God. So how, did, how, how could Chazal have blamed Moshe Rabbeinu for making the golden calf? So the answer is that what they said was, you, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're the one who wanted to bring in all, you know, other peoples. People wanted to leave Egypt with the Jews, together with the Jews that we call them Erev Rav. They were like a mixture of all kinds of odd people who, for whatever reason, were not happy under the aegis of the Egyptian rulers. So, so they, they asked Moshe Rabbeinu if they could tag along. Could they come along with you? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, yes. And because they were in the midst of the people of Israel, where there was some sort of doubt about Moshe Rabbeinu, how come he's late? Where is he? Is he coming? Is, is this all a kind of just a ruse to confuse us and make us unhappy? All of that, all of that was uh, uh, the way people reacted, and so the Arab Rav or people in the Arab Rav went to the Jews and he said, "Listen, we have an idea. We have an old God that we used to worship. It was pretty good for a while, but now, uh, now we don't worship him anymore. But but if you're like looking for a, a God who could help you out here, uh, let's let's do the golden calf." And so Chazal said, Moshe Rabbeinu, you are responsible, it's your fault. And what is it? What is it? You know that in the, for the Jewish people, in all the generations, the Jewish people, there were like two basic ideologies. You know, that's it. How are we going to maintain? How are we going to maintain? So there's one ideology says, we've got to build fences, sit down behind the fences, and do our thing and not let anybody else bother us. And, and, and as weird as it seems to others, and as strange as we seem to ourselves even sometimes, that's the way we've got to do it in order to maintain, in order to be. Then there's another theory that Jews have, different Jews, but Jews, groups of Jews, they said, no, let's go out and let's get people in and let's get the people coming in our direction. And instead of fighting, we'll be friendly will be happy together right so you have these two theories which you know in modern times could be emphasized by hasidut on the one hand closed everybody closes up don't let anybody else in or the, the especially the satma variety of hasidut they said you know what for what's the point we'll have a lot of babies We'll grow, we'll grow a lot of little uh, scholars and we'll, we'll continue to exist. The other theory was embraced by Lubavitch. 
Lubavitch, they said, uh, we'll just take him in. We'll make them, we'll make them Jews again. We'll bring them, we'll bring them to where they should be. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu in his attitude, the Erev Rav, was more of a Lubavitcher chassid than a Satmar chassid. He said, bring them in. He said, bring them in. And Chazal said, you know, if you ask me, they're saying, who's right? Which method is right? So of course, everybody knows the answer to that question. Right? Both of them are right. If you're dedicated to either plan of action, you'll, you'll do positive things. You'll do positive things. You also miss out on things because you won't be able to be as dedicated to the other, even though everybody in one camp has a little bit of the other camp in him, right? Whether it's the more open camp or the closed camp, they everybody agrees that the other camp also exists a little bit for me. So Chazal came in and said, you know who's responsible for the golden calf? It's a remarkable thing with what we're talking about, Moshe Rabbeinu. It was Moshe Rabbeinu. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu of that community? of the community of people that wanted to open and invite and take in and, and, and worship together and worship together and share the Torah more than anything else. And why, why was that? Because look at the way Moshe Rabbeinu was brought up. Who were his teachers, his rebellion, his family, the people in the in the court of the king, right? the, the, the wise people of the communities. He knew them, he spoke to them, he dealt with them. And therefore, when the Erev Rav or representatives of the Erev Rav came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, can we go with you? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, wow, what an opportunity to increase the number of people who will accept the dictates of heaven, will follow the leadership of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, so this is something that Chazal noted, as I understand it. Chazal noted that Moshe Rabbeinu had this weakness. But of course, you know, weaknesses can sometimes be strengths. It's just that you have to be careful with the weakness. Right? And you have to be careful about making it into a strength. It's not easy, not easy at all. So we're looking for Moshe Rabbeinu before he became Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu who invited himself to eat with the open-minded and with the closed-minded, right? That's what Moshe Rabbeinu wanted. And wherever Moshe Rabbeinu went, if you remember in the book of Bamidbar, the stories of Moshe Rabbeinu and his struggles against uh, those who were in conflict with Moshe Rabbeinu, right? They were generally of that, that order. Like, what's the plan? Who's in charge? How are we going to take make sure this works? That was all Moshe Rabbeinu's opposition. And, and, and that's how it is in every generation. Anybody who wants to do good, generally speaking, or often, I won't say generally speaking, often true that the people who want to do 
who want to do uh, a good uh, often meet up with, with opposition. And it's often true that the opposition is, is correct. And the truth, the, the, the plan is also correct. Uh, that's the difficulty. That's the difficulty we have it today. I mean, those of you who live in Yerushalayim are aware of what's going on in the Haredi communities. You know, the Haredi communities in, internally are the same as the Haredi communities externally, the same as the Dati Lumi communities. Is it enough or do I have to add on? Do I have to add on? Because that's the real, and I can, can I be liberal now and then in order to do good of one kind or another? I mean, we all have these problems. We all have these problems. We tend to like ignore them because they're difficult. It's hard to hard to determine, but they're problems. Look at this pasuk. Shmot Perek Gimel pasuk Zion. If you see it, you should see it on the on the board. Shmot Perek Gimel pasuk Zion. Vayomer Hashem. And Moshe, God is speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, he's not Moshe Rabbeinu yet. Having a discussion about what's going to be, right? Can you imagine that? Akodesh Bochu, Moshe Rabbeinu are discussing what's going to be. Ra'oraiti. Ra'oraiti is in Hebrew what we call lashon ofel alashon. In English, there's a there's a super word for it. You know, if you play Scrabble, paranomazia. It means when you use two verbs where you could use one. Ra'oraiti. It's not really any different than Raiti. Uh, and yet, uh, there's a proclivity in books of the Tanakh to use the double form. Uh, you could say, as I've, I've often told you, you could say, uh, Raiti is like emphasis. And I really looked hard and I saw something. But you know, whenever anybody tells you that it's emphasis, you can rest assured it's that he doesn't know. Instead of saying you don't know, this is emphasis. I'm happy to say I don't know. It's it's a literary form. I mean, it's hard to know about literary forms other than that they exist, what they are, why they are better than any other kind of connection of words. So the 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 Pasuk says, Vayomer Hashem. Ra'ora iti et oni ami asher b'mitzrayim. I saw that they are impoverished. Well, of course they're impoverished. I mean, they're slaves. I mean, what's the what's the point here? Oni ami, my people. God is talking. Asher b'mitzrayim. Ve'et sa'akatam, and I hear their screaming. Sa'akatam. It could be a, a word for prayer, right? You, you could scream to nothing, or you could scream because you think that you could affect a change. It's almost as though God said, I didn't think it was going to be so bad. I mean, who engineered it? Who made the, who made the slavery in Egypt? It was God. So God is now saying, I didn't realize, I didn't realize it would really be such a terrible thing. They were screaming and yelling because of the pain inflicted 
by their chapters. I knew my the pain that they were suffering. So in other words, along comes Akadosh Baruch Hu and, and talks to Moshe Rabbeinu and says, I know, I know how bad it is. I know how difficult it is. I mean, what do you think that God didn't know? I mean, what it's like from our point of view, our point of view is kind of an odd thing to say. Kind of odd thing to say. So Rashi, see the Rashi there? Ki yadati et machovav kimo veida elokim veida elokim. And God knew. So what, what is Rashi, what is Rashi telling you? That sometimes we speak, or the Torah speaks about God as though things are new. I mean, we know that there is no time in heaven. Let me just look at the whole pasuk. I didn't put it on the sheet, but I have it. I have it. Just one second. It says, the, the, the Pasuk says, I'm sorry, Kamo Elokim, as though it means uh, before God didn't know, and now God does know. So Rashi says, no, it's, it's the same same kind of idea, but it, that's the wrong interpretation. Klomar, Kisamti Lev Litvonein Viladatet Machovav, I paid attention. Rashi, Samti Lev Lehitzbo name. I, I uh, paid attention, Viladat, et Machovav, and to know about the pain that he was, they were suffering. Velohe Lamti Aini, Velo Etom et Ozni Mitsa Akatam. I didn't hide my, Velohe Lamti, I didn't hide my eyes, and I didn't stuff up my ears. And, and was unable to hear. In, in other words, how come this is going on for such a long time? But it's not because God didn't know what was happening. God knew what was happening, but for some reason, for some reason, the thinking was that it should continue until now. It should continue until now. The next pasuk, next pasuk is God's talking to, uh, to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's saying, Vairei. What does Ray Raid mean? 
another, again, another word that you can't really apply to God because a raid means there's a limit on space. You go from one space to another space. Otherwise, you can't say by raid. If God is every place, you can't say by raid. But we know that this is one of the elementary mysteries that we live with, right? It's a mystery that God could be in the world and around the world. God could be in a place and every place. And that's what Rashi, that's what Rashi is reminding us of. He says, uh, right? I, I wanted to, oh, just one second. Let me get the, uh, You sent your request to the presenter. Ah, I get it. Presenter, Ezra, can I have the uh, the marker? That's what I want. There it is. There it is. Okay, terrific, terrific. Thank you. No, I can put this back, back, back. No. Uh, again, by rate. God says by raid. Oh, what happened? I lost it. I lost it. There's nothing like technology. Press the right arrow key to select. Oh, no. I don't want, I want this. Okay, doesn't matter. Raid, start annotating. I didn't want that particular one. Oh, here we go. You see, Chet Raid, Raid. God is talking to Moshe Rabbeinu in a way that um, that's simple. I went down to see. I mean, it doesn't mean he, that he went down to see. God doesn't go down, doesn't go up. I read. I read means something I'm saying it for you to understand. to save the Jewish people. And what will happen with them, the, the Jewish people, is that they will go up. Egypt. They will go up from Egypt. Somehow that will take care of, they'll go up to the land of milk and honey, and that will take care of the fact that they've suffered so much. So that's what HaKadosh Baruch says. HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I know that it, it seems terrible. And, and that itself was a question for Moshe Rabbeinu. If it came from God, this punishment of slavery in Mitzrayim. And if it was a planned punishment in order to get B'nai Israel to develop, to change, to expand, to be better than they were, then why was it so difficult? Why was it so bad? So HaKadosh Baruch responds and he says, that's the first thing. 
I'm not telling you, Moshe Rabbeinu, to take over the responsibility. It remains God's responsibility to save them. And to bring them up from that land, that's also God's responsibility. Right? El Eretz Avat Chalavudvash, the land of milk and honey, that's where they're getting, coming to. El Mekom, to the place of the Canaanite tribes, the Canaani, Hakivi, Hamori, Hakrizi, Hakivi, Hayavusi, right? They'll all, uh, they will be able, they will be able to go to that place, the place that they were promised, and I will take them there, God says. I will bring them to that place. That will be the place of Eretz Tova Urchava. Eretz Tova Urchava. Pasuk Tet. Vata inet zakat b'nei Yisrael ba'at elai. He says, I want you to know, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, that this screaming, the wailing of b'nei Yisrael came to me. By life, the Gabra Eti et Lachatz Hashem Israel Lochatzim Otam, and this is the reason that B'nai, that that the students of Jewish history came to the conclusion. Right, they asked this question: Is this question why were the Egyptians punished so heartily? Why were they punished with the the ten plagues? And then they were punished by drowning in the Yamsuf. I mean, why was it? I mean, if they were simply acting on God's uh, insistence, they were just carrying out God's interest in punishing them or in having them go through this experience. So why were the Egyptians punished? So the answer is in this Pasuk. This pasuk it says, mm-hmm. I saw the pressure that the Egyptians put them under. So the Parashanut, the, the interpretation was, was clear. Yes, God insisted that they should spend these years in slavery, but God did not determine the nature of the slavery. The nature of the slavery was overwhelmingly offensive and not what God had intended. And that's why, even though God told Avram Avinu that the slavery would go on in Egypt for 400 years, it actually went on for 210 years. It was as though God said, I can't bear the pain as though Akkadish Baruch, of course, could bear, bear the pain, but what he means is I can't bear to see B'nai Israel suffering such pain. And that was not the idea. That was not the idea. The idea was, the idea was that, uh, <coughs> the idea was that they would be slaves, but even slavery can be, uh, passable, not perfect, not totally uh, unreasonable, not totally unreasonable. But in this case, it was, it was totally unreasonable. And so, 
את הלחץ המצרים לוחצים אותם, that's the לחץ. ואתה, and now God says to Moshe, אתה לך ושלוחך, go, I will send you. I don't want you to do it on your own, you're going to be my, my uh, shaliach for certain things, el paro. After God promises that he will be involved, he will be involved. He says, so you go and do it. Kick it off. Get it started. Make sure they know who's responsible. You see the Rashi? Vim Tomar. If you'll say, what's the point? What is it that I'm going to do? Lord, say it to me. And you take out my, my people. Lord, say it to me. That you do have a role. And what's the role? Yo ilu divarecha. You will speak. Words that will have an effect, will have an effect. So what is God saying to Moshe Rabbeinu? God is saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, no words can create the reality. The words are important, Moshe Rabbeinu. I'll take them out. I'll take them out, but somebody has to talk to them. Somebody has to tell them what the experience that they're having is. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to to, to get what's happening. You're in the midst of some great event. You have heard of the coronavirus, I assume. I mean, it's a great event. It's like a world war. Great numbers of people are dying. We're fighting valiantly against that. We're fighting valiantly that war. We're not always successful. We're going through a bad patch right now, I think. Although I don't want to create the evil eye here. And so you have, you have uh, mixed in, you have politics. And the politicians say, you know how we're fighting the war? We're going to vote so-and-so in. Or we're going to vote somebody else in. That's how we're fighting the war. Well, that's either correct or not so correct. So God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, don't worry about taking them out of Mitzrayim. That's not a question. God will be the one who takes them out of Mitzrayim. God will make the miracles. God will have the will make the effect, the negative effect on the Egyptians. All that's not a problem. But we want B'nai Israel to understand what's happening to them. Why they have to live sometimes with doubt. Why the first miracles, the miracles, the ten miracles, the ten plagues. They just weren't enough. I mean, why were they brought into the world if they aren't enough? 
Okay, I don't know. Something you have to talk about, something you have to listen to Moshe Rabbeinu about because he'll know. Moshe Rabbeinu will know. Pasuk Yud Aleph. Vayomem Moshe l'Elokim mi anochi ki eilech el paro v'chiyotziet b'nei Yisrael mimitzrayim. I think Moshe Rabbeinu still didn't exactly get it. Vayomem Moshe and Moshe Rabbeinu responded to God and said, mi anochi, mi anochi, anochi is a pronoun that's equal to ani. But generally speaking, we see that pronoun Anochi as being of greater significance. Not everybody would call himself Anochi. I mean, the Aserit start with the word Anochi. So you wouldn't use that word uh, disrespectfully. So if Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mi Anochi, it's like Moshe Rabbeinu said, I am not Anochi. I'm not on that level. I can't go and talk to Paro. Because, you know, when you, when you are talking to somebody or you want to convince them of something or you want to uh, move them in a particular direction that you're also interested in, it's good if there's a kind of a parody. I mean, if you would want to convince the king of some plan that you had, you wouldn't send a uh, shoemaker to, to discuss it with him. You said somebody who looks princely, who seems princely. So it could be that Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, I'm not the paro type, even though I grew up in the, in the, in the temple, not the temple, in the palace. I grew up in the palace of the king, and I know about that, but that's not me. That's not me. I'm I'm more interested in real issues, real things. Me ani ma ani chashuv ledaber imam latchim. I don't have even if you Hakadosh Baruch arrange a meeting for me with uh, with the uh, with Paro, I mean it won't go well. Because I won't be able to fake it. I won't be able to make Pharaoh think that I'm more like him. Who am I to speak to kings? The rest of the Pasuk, I should be the one who takes Israel out of its rhyme. Rashi explains it in his own way. Because why? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu ask two questions? Right? Mi anochi is one question. Vichiyotzi, that's another question. Why do you need two questions? Rashi. So Rashi, that's Rashi's, Rashi's question. So, so the Rashi's answer is very much Talmudic. It says, Kiyotzi et b'nei Yisrael, af em even if in some way it turns out that I am chashuv. I do get the vote of Paro. Paro is willing to talk to me. He thinks that I'm an important intellectual. So he says, he says, Ma zachu Yisrael So in what way 
it's like a little strange, right? A little strange that Rashi should say, Sitzenus. Why is it? In what way? In what way? Even if I am worthy to have a conversation with, with the king of Egypt, with Pharaoh, Mazahu Yisrael, what way have the people of Israel uh, merited why did they merit that there should be a miracle done on their behalf? On their behalf, and I will take them out of out of Mitzrayim. In other words, God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, the the slavery was a little harsh, but it had to be. It didn't have to be so harsh, but it had to be. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, according to this Rashi, he says, but if you want me to do something, you want me to, then they really have to be worthy because I can't take them out of Mitzrayim. I can't be the one. I don't have that kind of power or that kind of influence or that kind of responsibility. It's got to be that they deserve it. So finally, Moshe Rabbeinu asks a question. Are they worthy? That's Moshe Rabbeinu's question in these psukim. God said, don't worry and don't worry and don't worry. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, okay. I agree that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will take them out of Mitzrayim, but they, do they really deserve the whole package? Do they deserve to go through the desert to receive the Torah, to go to Eretz Kedan? I mean, do they deserve all of that? And Moshe Rabbeinu, after all, himself, he knew that they were a problematic group. He knew that sometimes they fought with each other. Jew against Jew, and that that fight could end in homicide. And from that point of view, things haven't changed. Haven't changed. So they knew, so Moshe Rabbeinu said, they're a problematic folk. Problematic. And if they're a problematic folk, how are we to make sure that they... Uh, that they will receive the miracle that's necessary to get them out. The language of Rashi is nes, that you will give them that miracle and Mitzrayim, I will be able to take them out of Mitzrayim. Because it's hard to say, based on the experience that I have had, Moshe Rabbeinu says, it's hard to say that they, uh, uh, that they deserve it that they've been ex exemplary. Exemplary, you know, that the Rabbam quotes, the Rabbam quotes in Chot uh, Avodah that that the tribe of Levi was never enslaved. Quotes of Chazal. Chazal say the tribe of Levi was never ex uh, enslaved and that they were allowed to stay in the land of Goshen and study Torah. 
Because the Rambam said, how could there be? What is slavery? They, they can't learn, they can't study Torah. I mean, so there'll be nothing left for them. How could they possibly merit uh, the exodus? That's what, Moshe Rabbeinu, that's what the Rambam says. So he said, tribe of Levi. So now I'm not sure if, it's, if, we've, if I have a, a clear vision of when Ram, the Rambam quoted historical information from Chazal that didn't seem to have a source. I mean, certainly there are things that the Rambam didn't quote. But why did he quote this? Why did he quote this? Because he believed what Rashi said about he believed what Rashi said about Moshe Rabbeinu's response to the offer of a job from HaKadosh Baruch Amazing. Amazing. What did HaKadosh Baruch what did Moshe Rabbeinu say? He said, you want me to take them out of Israel? You know I can't take them out of Israel. I can't do that. But how do I know that they deserve the miracles that you're going to have to do in order to get them out of Mitzrayim? Maybe they just don't deserve it. Let's learn one more pasuk before. I'm not sure we have time for the Ramban, but uh, you'll do it on Shabbos. The one pasuk, uh, can you switch the page to the second page or the third page? Um, Ezra. Uh, you have access to it. You can change it. How do, how do I do it? How do I do it? Do it, do it. See, it doesn't have the pagination here. Do I want to request remote control? Yeah, take remote control. I requested, we said you request the presenter. Okay. You're getting it to me? There. Okay. Okay, so how do I turn the page? Okay, I switched it over. You switch, oh, you switched it over. One second. One second. Should I take control? Uh, no. The next one, the next page. Ezra, the next page. The next page is Perak Zion. It's, it's a possible in the Parsha of Ba'era. Thank you very much. Vayom Hashem Moshe. Vayom Hashem Moshe. Listen to the parallel. God speaks again to Moshe. And he says, Re'eh, behold, take note. You are given over by God to Paro, which I think means you are the proof that you are representing God. Somehow Paro will see that in you. He'll never argue about that. He'll never argue about whether you, Moshe Rabbeinu, are special a representative of the heavens. But he sees it in you. He sees it in you. Meaning, 
He'll give the message. He'll give over the message in words. You represent something even higher than words. A relationship, a connection to HaKadosh Baruch The Paro, look at Rashi. Shofet v'lerodeh l'erdotel v'makot v'yisurim. Netatiha Elohim Paro, I gave you to Paro. You're in charge of Paro. In charge in what way? Shofet, a judge, v'rodeh, someone who beats him regularly, regularly, that's what your job is. You beat him uh, with your fists and with uh, torture in some way. He gets what's left over from the Jewish people. He will translate what you say. That's what every time the word Navi or Nevua means, he's the person who says difficult things, he brings difficult matters to the people. Uh, and, and then there are a few sukim uh, that uh, that prove the point, right? And then the final pasuk, the final pasuk in here is atatidaber, you will speak at kol whatever I tell you to say, so you will speak what I tell you to say. Now, this could be you, Moshe Rabbeinu, now in Egypt, you, Moshe Rabbeinu, in Har Sinai, you, Moshe Rabbeinu, on the eve of entry into the land of Daber, You have a special kind of speech. Everything that I command to you, that means everything that's Torah, all the Torah that I give you. Everything is Torah that comes from God. will speak to Paro in a language that he understands. And not sure exactly what the connection between all of these things is. He will send the people away from the land. That seemed seemed to be connected to the to the difficulties, to the pain. That they uh, that they suffered. Rashi, you see the Rashi. Where is it, Rashi? Again, just one second. Oh, doesn't work. Doesn't work. So, atatidaber, you see, atatidaber. Ham achad kol shlichut u shlichut kefi sheshamato mipi. You will speak once every time I send you to speak. Kefi sheshamato mipi. Varodachicha yamlitzenu v'yatimenu ba'aznei paro. And Aaron 
Aaron, your brother, Yam Lisenu, will like translate it into one of, with one of these translation machines. Yat imenu Oh, make it uh, uh, something more acceptable. So again, I think that uh, that these psukim, these two psukim, right, tell us that it was important at the outset to distinguish speech and Torah talk. The things that we say, the things that we say, which are, I mean, but they're not Torah. They're not Torah words. They're not Torah formulations. And we have to learn, like Moshe Rabbeinu is going to teach us things. But one thing he's going to teach us is that there's, there's good talk, that's Aaron. Aaron has good things to say, and he has difficult things to say to Paro, and he's going to tell the Jews what they should do about Yitziat Mitzrayim, and when they should go, and how they should go, and what they should do. And that was Aaron. But, I could, but Moshe Rabbeinu's job is to tell B'nai Israel that there is another kind of speech. There's divine speech, speech that comes from God, and the speech that goes from God has to come from a special person with a special kind of voice. And that's going to be Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, that has to be taught to B'nai Israel. You can't assume that when Moshe goes up on Har Sinai and then comes down again and says, here it is, here's the Torah, it starts declaiming the words of the Torah that without special preparation, they would have gotten it. No, they had to get it. They had to get it. They had to get it. The Ghana, the days when everybody could expect God to speak to him or her personally and tell them what is, has to be done. But there's going to be a Torah. And that Torah will speak in a special kind of language. And that language will enable the people, the people of Israel, to delve into things more deeply. And so Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, as we said at the beginning, Moshe Rabbeinu was a student. He was learning what it meant to be Moshe Rabbeinu. And finally, he gets the idea, I think, that to be Moshe Rabbeinu is not just to be the secretary for Rabbeinu Shalom, but it's to be the emissary to bring God's will to the people. To give that, and, and that may have been because it's uh, because uh, the, uh, the Mitzrayim, the, the end of the slavery in Mitzrayim was only 210 years. And those the people couldn't last for 400 years, either because of what the the Egyptians were doing, or because of what they hadn't been able to achieve, to achieve on their own. But without that achievement, as we see in the Rambam, who has said that you know the B'nai Levi weren't obligated to work without that kind of achievement, they're not going to be worthy of uh, of uh, leaving Egypt, the Exodus. So, so even though Hakadosh Baruch Hu said four hundred years, he shortened it. To less than 400 years because they weren't capable of that. They weren't able to last that 400 years. So instead, Moshe Rabbeinu had to teach them what it meant to receive the words of God, what it meant to receive the words of the Torah.
Have a good Shabbos. All the best. Good Shabbos. Thank you. I, I hear something, but I didn't hear it clearly.